0: This is Sound and Vision from KEXP in Seattle, and Emily Fox. This year marks the 30th anniversary since Allison Chains released their first album, Facelift. And, and on December 1st, the locally grown band will be presented Seattle's Museum of Pop Culture's Founders Award. To talk about the band's legacy, I recently spoke with founding members Sean Kinney on drums and Jerry Cantrell on vocals and guitar, as well as vocalist William Duval, who joined the band in 2006, four years after the death of frontman Lane Staley. Here was the conversation. Take us back to Seattle in the late 80s. You know, you were practicing and maybe even living in this practice space in Ballard. It was called Music Bank, which later had to close shop because a marijuana grow operation was found there. And in, Seattle has changed so much since Alice in Chains was founded. I'm so curious what Seattle was like for you making music in the late 80s. Like, what did Seattle look like? What did it feel like? What was the vibe of the city back then?
1: Yeah, see if, see if we did, if, if it was now, the, uh, that place would be a perfectly legal grow operation, and it wouldn't have closed down. Yeah, exactly. you know, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, uh
2: <laughs> We could have we maybe, maybe gotten jobs there instead. Probably could have got, like, got jobs, yeah. Homeless dudes. Um, uh, Seattle, okay, uh, go to Portland, and then that'll show you what Seattle looked like back then. It's kind of like Portland. It's so a little
0: more um, industrial, yeah. Kind of like yeah.
2: Portland now. Seattle was great. It had a very vibrant music scene, and and that's what you did. You went out with your friends and other bands and everybody. You just saw music every night of the week, and you know got drunk and smoked weed or whatever you're doing. And that was the scene. You know, it was pre-camera phone. Everybody had a computer in their pocket. You know, so it was like you had to really interact. And it was it's a really cool, amazing, kind of all-embracing scene. And it was just ours up here. You know, you felt like this is our thing that we do. We're up here in the northwest corner of the United States. You know, we're kind of removed from shit. You didn't really, you know, the odds of, you know, to make it in the music industry, you may have to leave. You know, you had your touchstones of Hendrix and Hart and Queensryche and some people. And some of your friends were starting to get deals. And there were people sniffing around if your band was popular. But, you know, Sub Pop was was about, you know, was the peak of you know, one of the peaks of the Seattle scene, but you just didn't feel like, you know, it was, it was just our, it was our thing. This is our deal. We're all in on it. And, uh, you know, then it became everybody's deal.
0: So looking at the timeline, you know, you had Soundgarden forming in Seattle in 1984, Alice in Chains and Nirvana in 1987, Mudhoney in 88, Pearl Jam in 90. I mean, from your perspective, what was happening within the music scene or maybe just Seattle that gave rise to all these bands that are now household names?
1: Well, I think it's just like Sean said. I mean, it was just it was a it was just a really cool crop of folks, you know, we were all pretty much of the same age and generation, and uh, and we were all, you know, big fans of music, and, uh, you know, there, there there were a handful of places to play, and mostly it was a lot of, mostly it was a lot of jamming in basements and rehearsal rooms, and occasionally doing a couple of gigs, and, and uh, um, you know, the Northwest has always been a uh, you know, a, a big haven for rock and roll, and 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 uh, there was just a inordinate amount of people <laughs> that were that were doing it. And you know, it's Seattle's not a it's not a huge town. It's it's like a big small town. So you know, we, we all know we knew each other, and if you didn't, you ran onto each other soon enough. You know what I mean? Or or through through another friend. So. You know, we'd 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 go to each other's gigs and and you know it was just kind of part of the part of the lifestyle, hanging out at clubs, watching bands, uh, you know, re- uh, rehearsing, trying to trying to write some tunes and kind of find yourself as a band. And everybody was kind of doing that individually, and uh, we were all part of a collective whole without really you know having any sort of organization behind it that's what was kind of cool about it you know it was it was kind of an inspirational kind of a thing to be a part of you know
0: and, I mean, I think of, you know, I, grunge became, you know, this this catch-all phrase for, you know, you think about Alice in Chains, Nirvana, Soundgarden. But I'm curious, from your perspective, what do you feel like Alice in Chains brought to the table, you know, for this genre that you all were clumped in? Like, was there something unique about Alice in Chains, either the sound or whatever, that you feel like, you know, was was unique to your band when the rest of the country was trying to clump you in with this one genre?
2: Well, the previous... We, we, our, you know, this 30-year anniversary of this facelift came out in 90. And if you go back to there
1: 90. There wasn't any grunge in 90. There,
2: there was no grunge. They hadn't invented the word. Nirvana hasn't blown up. Pearl Jam hasn't blown up yet. That comes a year or so later. So we were out there and Soundgarden everybody before that. And what you would hear, you know, from the small sector people that knew about Seattle bands and stuff, is look like, at the Seattle sound and things like that. There was no grunge. There also wasn't really this label of alternative rock so much either. It was still like college rock or whatever. So, you know, they were trying to find a word to stick on you. You're alt metal, you're this, you're this, you know, and they didn't know what the to do with us you know, or those bands. And then, you know, a year or so later, they they found a term and they try to, you know, like they do in anything, wrap it around everybody. So, I mean, our perspective is different possibly because it kind of predated that. And then what we were doing yeah. our next record then it all blew up for our friends and and other contemporary bands from our area and we had already had success with facelift and then their their thing just went astronomical and the whole thing got blown you know worldwide crazy and you know, I kind of remember. I don't ever remember thinking, being ever jealous or anything of that.
1: We certainly have our own thing, and every other, every other one of the bands in Seattle had their thing too. The, the, I think that's why it's probably stood the test of time. Is like nobody was trying to sound like each other. You know, it's like, I'm not. None of us were trying to sound like Soundgarden. You know, and 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 Soundgarden wasn't trying to sound like Mudhoney, and Mudhoney wasn't trying to sound like Pearl Jam, or. Um, and on and on, so it was more about kind of finding finding your own thing, you know and uh, you know there's there's elements that each band had that 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 the others didn't and I think that's why there was such a strong identity you know between uh amongst the bands and also that was an admirable thing you know on on the other foot, like maybe some of the scene that was going on in l a you know at the time, you know there was a lot of Kind of trying to do a certain thing for everybody, you know. We we weren't doing that up in up in our town, you know, in our area. So,
2: yeah, you had a bunch of bands that are no way, shape, or form designed by an industry, an entertainment industry town, designed for the masses, you know. And and I think it just resonated with people. We're all similar age. It was that generation. It was like it was. You could feel like this movement. A global movement of stuff. Plus, rock music was a really top of the charts type of thing back then. It's just not. That's right. You know, and so you know all these things lined up, and I and like Jerry said, I think the music lives on because it, it's really honest music. It wasn't. There's nothing wrong with fun music. I, I love all sorts of music, but you know, people have been inundated through rock about like you know it was more about the clothes and. Look at the chicks, and I party. A lifestyle, you know, yeah. And my and yeah. my car and stuff. And it was a lifestyle thing, and I think you know since we we don't have that here, <laughs> that's not our life experience. <laughs> it was more real life kind of music stuff, and I think since it's you know music music strikes people and, and captures me and everybody emotionally. Like you emotionally attached to things, and it hits you, and you personalize it. And I think maybe that sentiment and that honesty stuck with people and that's why they you know there's a they still care about it because it wasn't all it's not all just fluff you know like hey look at my car and the chicks dig me you know
0: This is Sound and Vision on KEXP, and I'm speaking with drummer Sean Kinney, along with guitarist Jerry Cantrell. They are founding members of Alice in Chains. In a minute, we will bring in William Duvall, who replaced Lane Staley on lead vocals following his death. But first, I have to ask the inevitable question about death and addiction. You know, Seattle has lost many artists from drug addiction and or suicide over the decades. We lost Andy Wood of Mother Love Bone in 1990, Kurt Cobain in 94, Lane Staley of Alice in Chains in 2002, all of whom had heroin dependencies. You know, then your former bassist Mike Starr died in 2011, and then we lost Chris Cornell of Soundgarden in 2017. What was it like for you to be part of that scene and process these deaths?
2: I'll say this, this is a small town and that stuff that you're talking about affects people everywhere. And the results are if you are usually these results, you know, drug abuse, depression, these things, you know, it seems like, you know, in this town and some and some people that had some notoriety, I get the interest in it, but the truth is, you know, I wish people show that much interest to the to the you know to Columbus Ohio who has it going on you know I mean it's everywhere and and uh, talking about it which we have and occasionally do uh, you know it's a day by day process because these people that we're going to talk about right here are brothers and our family and friends and so it's it's not it's not a gossipy you know. You know interesting story to us it's a real-life painful
1: yeah and it's been real. talked about enough so let's talk about something else
0: okay so um so, you know, let's let's move forward to I believe it was like 2004. Um, there's been a lot of changes with the band and there was Hurricane Katrina. And then Sean, you helped put together this benefit show for Hurricane Katrina and you bought brought the band the band back together. And then two years later, William joined the band. Um, why was it important for you to, to move on and, and keep the same name and keep making music together?
2: It's our band name and <laughs> it's our music so it wasn't you know and the intention was never to do that it was exactly what it started from we hadn't played in years we've gone through all these things we just, I see it we see a tragedy like first people i call are my closest friends and family and say hey man does it have any interest in in getting some other people and trying to help and they just said yes and then other people came to the deal and that was it that was just going to be that And it was tough it was it was it was it wasn't the easiest thing but because you were doing it for something else it it took the sting off but by doing that then we did open a door that we were I don't think we were really paying a lot of attention to cuz we were focused on the other thing that a lot of outside forces and people started asking hey would you guys play would you do this blah, 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 blah. and you know so we we had we we taken part in a in a television show honoring Anna Nancy Wilson they asked us to do that so we did that with some friends and had people weigh in this is where Will comes in and Duck McKagan's there and Phil Selmo, and, and Dave Navarro's and you know whoever the people come in same kind of thing and you know the questions keep getting asked and so you know we just we're, we just we did what we always have done from the get-go do what feels right and what's true to you for those reasons and so we just cautiously slowly would you know do little things and then we thought well let's go play the songs in a small low-key way one more time and so we set out to do that and then you know I don't think we really understood that either because you end up in Europe and it really what it hit me hard is like we're in Portugal and 40,000 people are there and I'm like this isn't small or f-ing low-key and I'm not emotionally ready for this so I wasn't in any kind of state in my own life to really deal with what had happened, you know, and what was going on. And so we kind of, you know, the strength of the band and us doing this, we just took little steps and whatever felt right is what led us to here. Essentially there's a
1: there's a group of people out there that 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 have uh connected with the music, you know, from way back to all the way till now and 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 That's a real magical thing that not everybody gets, you know, as an artist, you know, and and, uh, especially through changes, you know, and 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 severe like, you know, losses and life changes and stuff like that. But but these are something things that we all face in life and and uh i guess the the message and the lesson is just to uh, follow it follow your path you know it doesn't matter what anybody thinks or what anybody says we never did this to get a pat on the back and be the cool guys and have everybody love us but we did find a group of people that that did love us and we love them back and 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 uh and that's that's served us and so Sean and i have always talked about this dynamic you know we feel like we feel like custodians we feel like custodians of this legacy of our music and and our brothers and all six members of this band and the millions of people around the planet that 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 love it too they're part of our family as well and and uh and and you just uh you know you 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 serve it from a from a good place and 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 you continue to put in the work and and good things continue to happen you know I mean look at us now we're still going we still don't have straight jobs pretty it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah.
2: 15 years later like Will's will it's been 50 will will came into it almost 15 years ago I mean it's yeah that, I didn't remember I knew it'd been a while but like sometimes it feels like uh, it's a couple of years and sometimes it feels like a millennium but then uh you know we were me and will were doing an interview what yesterday and that mm-hmm. he brought that up, or they did, and I was like, Whoa, you know, it's the same yeah. thing. Life when you're so, when your head's so down and you're just focused on this thing that you do with this small cabal of people, sometimes <clears throat> things push you out to where you look up, and then I just keep getting shocked, you know, a lot of the time, or overwhelmed, and especially really humbled, you know, like Jerry was saying. We essentially can go after all these years later to almost anywhere on the planet, thousands of people will show up and get a babysitter, do whatever they need, save up to get money, to spend an evening with us, to, p- to let us play our songs for them. And, they, and that's just an amazing thing, you know. And, and uh, we keep adding to it. You know, we still, like I said, we still work the same way we did. We still care. We still have the same reason why we started it. It's not, you know, just finances. And, you know, it's none of that. And,
1: and we're still uh, making really good music.
2: Yeah, and we still make music that we, that we really love and we believe in and care. And, you know, that's the only music we put out. It hasn't been a prolific band that was pumping out albums every year. You know, a lot of, you know, with the content is the content we want out there that we really care about, and it's potent. And if we got to a place and we were trying to create music and sit around and couldn't all collectively dig it, we'd probably just throw the towel in. I mean, back going back 30 years ago to facelift when, when we were just kids, you know, <laughs> young little dudes making that, you know, I, I remember thinking then, this is probably the only time we get to do this. You know, because bands aren't designed to last. Careers, there's too many variables. And I was like, this is probably the one record we ever get to do, and you're excited about it, you do that, and that could have that been it. You know, so I still think that. Like, every, that our last one we did two years ago, I'm like, ah, it could probably be the last. But I've thought that about every single one. And Me so too. And you want it to be... You want it to be your truth. You want to you want to really believe in it and have no doubts about it. And and we also have you know it could be the last one because we, in, you know, internally in our microcosm of stuff, we know how fragile everything and people are, and how easily things can come and go. You know, so it's,
3: tomorrow's guaranteed to nobody.
2: Right.
0: So I want to bring William into the conversation. So, you know, William, I, I, I have a feeling that you listened to Alice and Chains and were very familiar with Alice Chains before you even joined the band, which was uh, in 2006. What was it like for you to, one, sing some of these songs yourself, but also contribute to the three albums Alice Chains has released since you became vocalist?
3: I mean, it's great. Yeah, I was familiar with. With the band. I mean, I was, you know, I was actually part of the, the underground movement, punk rock and hardcore and all that stuff that helped lead to this explosion that came out of Seattle and this sort of massive change in the culture at large. I mean, so I saw all of that stuff fomenting before Seattle and then saw it when that happened. And yeah, I was a fan of, of all the bands that we've mentioned and, and including Alice and, and what did it feel like once we, once we reconstituted the group under the moniker of Alice in Chains? Well, I mean, again, we just started playing shows. I mean, it started, like Sean said, with the Heart event, them inviting Alice in Chains to be a part of their being honored by VH1. And it kind of just went from there. A few shows were booked here, a few shows were booked there. And again, as, as Sean mentioned, suddenly you find yourself in front of 40,000 people in Portugal. And so for me, it was just like, well, look, you better just, you know, there is no time. You just have to go and do it. You have to become whatever it is you need to be in order to do this right now. And so I did. So I just gradually become what I hoped to see if I was going to go and see this band, you know what I mean? And just what I wanted to see whenever I would go see anybody play. And just bringing a level of commitment and energy to it that I brought to everything I've ever done since I was 14 years old, starting to play clubs and, you know, the punk rock days. And so that's, what's kind of gotten us here, you know, in terms of my portion of that. And I understand and automatically resonate with a lot of the values of this band, you know, particularly living by your own internal compass because I've never lived any other way. And this band was fortunate enough to get extremely popular, not living any other way. And so, you know, it's just been a cool thing and, and it, it's, it's developed over time and, and, you know, and it is what it's become, what it's become because of all the things, you know, uh, all these things that people will never see or never know about, um, you know, but it's a great honor for sure. And I do feel a certain custodial responsibility as well, like, uh, like Jerry mentioned, you know, to the, to the older catalog music. And, uh, and it's been really cool to, um, create, you know, new music to add to it. And I feel the responsibility toward that as well, of course. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's been a, it's been an interesting ride for sure. There's not a lot of bands that have a story like this for obvious reasons. Because it's very, very difficult to pull off. Um, So that's not lost on any of us. That's not lost on any of us. We're very grateful for that.
0: And I was going to say, kind of in closing, you know, knowing that you're getting this founder award from MoPOP, the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle, what does that mean for you as a band, considering all you've been through, you know, in your you know three decade plus you know career as a band?
1: Well, first off fact that it's in our hometown is the biggest thing for me we're really proud of where we come from and our brothers and sisters and in the music scene and and where this was all birthed out of and and uh so of to, to to have it be a homegrown a homegrown thing that means a lot what paul allen built there and his commitment to music and and uh you know in support of it and and in celebration of
3: it you know it's it's a pretty amazing thing you know yeah, and I'm, I'm not from Seattle. I'm from the other Washington, the DC one. <laughs> but, but, uh, Mopop, it, it, it sort of represents kind of a, I mean, it's, it's a music mecca, really, you know? I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's this living monument to everything that, that's happened. Not only, it, not only is it a great monument to everything that came from that city, but it, it's just a great monument to, to music in general. And the fact that it was in, originally inspired by Hendrix the whole experience music project that Paul Allen got into and that evolving into Mopop. That's incredible. Cause he was the one that got me started. I mean, Hendrix was the reason I started playing. And so to go there to this, to this amazing building and see all those amazing artifacts and to see the care that was put into it, even down to having little sound stations where kids can go and touch instruments and play around. Like there's so many things about it that make it so cool.
0: That was my conversation with Allison Chains members Sean Kinney, Jerry Cantrell, and William Duval. The band will be presented with Seattle Museum of Pop Culture's Founders Award on December 1st. The ceremony will feature tribute performances by Metallica, Duff McKagan of Guns N' Roses, Chris Novoselic of Nirvana, the Wilson Sisters of Heart, and many more. The ceremony will be broadcast on Mopop's Facebook page as well as on Amazon Music's Twitch channel and Amazon Music's app. More information can be found at Mopop.org slash Founders Award.